This is Team Time, your weekly Q&A session to building better teams and leadership practices. This series of episodes is part of the Better Teams podcast, hosted by me, Vincent, and Max. Thank you for being here with us. Have a good listening. Hi, Max. Hi, Vincent. Hi, everyone. Max, what do you want us to talk about today? So today I would like to talk about a topic which comes back a lot, especially in the beginning of your professional career. And the topic is politics. So politics in the workplace, you know. It's a very common topic and um, there's a lot of mixed feelings associated to politics because in the minds of people, it's mostly a negative thing. What's your take on that? Do you think politics in the workplace is a bad thing? So I would say the answer is it depends. It really depends on the context. And it's very, very common for first-time leader to be very much against politics because as an individual contributor, as a team member, as a professional, so far, they've often seen the negative side of it. You know, the, the scheming side of it, the, the side which is dishonest, which is just about visibility and nothing else. And I think this is the, the side of politics that everyone remembers. So um, when you just became a manager for the first time, you tend to think, okay, I'm not going to be like this. And it's a good thing, right? You shouldn't try to, to mimic a bad thing that you've seen, right? The problem is that uh, there's a lot of nuance, you know? There's a lot of different um, levels in, in politics. And then, so the negative one is really about, um, okay, just skimming. So basically trying to influence people for your own gain. We all have examples of, uh, of that kind of politics. You know, we can all picture someone in our mind that we've encountered during our career of doing politics just for the sake of a personal advancement. And uh, it can get really bad. I mean, it can, you know, I'm sure everyone has um, good examples. You know, I mean, bad examples of that. But the thing that you need to keep in mind is that uh, politics is actually necessary. It's a good thing. Could you actually elaborate on that? So you said there is a negative side related to um negative way of using politics basically for your own good your own profit so what would be the positive side and wh why do you say uh, politics is necessary politics is what you need when you need to to reach out to people which are not at your level so if you need to you know support win support for the ideas of your team as a first-time leader or for instance um, support for your own idea as a contributor you know as an individual contributor a team member a professional i don't know an expert you need to have a little bit of political competence because you need to to reach out to the right people to to sell your idea and this idea is good for the business is good for your team it doesn't have to be just good for you so this is not like a personal gain you know so there are a lot of people in a lot of companies who have fantastic ideas but they don't know how to sell them so Nothing is done with those ideas. These people eventually get frustrated because they're not being heard and they leave the organization and maybe to restart this cycle all over again elsewhere unless, for instance, the organization is smaller. So, see, there is really a nuance in that, right? It's, uh, it's very important to understand that um, you need to understand the good side of politics. The fact that it's really helping you winning support for ideas and also as a first-time leader or as a leader in general, You know, reconciling competing interests, knowing how to do that. Because, you know, with your peers, for instance, you know, it can feel as if there is um, 
you know, different in interest when in fact you're trying to reach the same thing. So being able to understand that, find a common ground, find a way to influence the work by another team to help, you know, the work of your team and the other way around, this takes what we call political competence. So it's very, very important. Would you have an example for listeners to demonstrate how mastering politics can help reconciling competing interests, like you said? Take engineering and product management, for instance. So, you know, engineering wants to build a perfect product, a maintainable product with very little technical depth, right? And in the same time, product management wants a product which is ready, ready to be sold, you know, because the sooner you sell it and put it in the hands of customers, the sooner you get feedback to adapt that product, right? So sometimes it creates situations where you want to move faster while the engineering department will tell you, okay, well, I would like to refactor the product in such a way that it's easier to maintain in the future. So these are competing interests, but in the end, they all serve the same thing, delighting the customer with a good product, right? So being able to influence each other in a way that stays, you know, uh, polite and um, constructive, this takes political competence. This is very important and you need to cultivate that as a, as a leader. It's interesting because when you talk about the importance of cultivating that as a leader, it reminds me that Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, wrote in his book called Politics that human beings, uh, I mean, uh, only men at the time, of course, uh, are by nature political animals, zoon politikon in Greek. And as you may know, there are actually several words in Greek, in ancient Greek, to talk about politics. And I think it's worth talking about it because it gives us more perspective. And I think having more words helps understanding and appreciating what's at stake here and what you have explained so far. So very quickly, if I can explain, um, there are three words in ancient Greek. The first one is politikos. It refers to the way your city is organized, your city, your state, your group. It's basically how you live together. The second word is politeia. And it refers to the constitution you create, really defining in theory and in practice how your society works. And the last word is politique. And this last word refers to the practice of power and how you use it. And of course, the conflicts uh, it can create. So Max, when you talk about using power for your own interest, it's actually politique. And when you talk about the necessity to have politics in the group, it's politikos. And if we talk about the kind of rules Uh, and principles that one group, one team, one company may develop, it's politeia. So, of course, you don't need to know the Greek words. I'm just mentioning them because I, I really think it helps breaking down that big word of politics and better understanding that there are several layers of meaning in size. But coming back to the famous political animal of Aristotle, I'd like to ask you, Max, what can you do when you feel that you are bad At dealing with politics. It's very important uh, to understand that there's no such thing as being good at it or bad at it. You know, it's, it's all about intentions, I would say. So you need to understand that uh, there is different sources of informal power, like we mentioned in our previous episode, and um, your expertise, your personal appealing qualities, so basically you know, your humor, things like that, you know, all these things, you know, your informal source of power will help you cultivate political competence, right? So Actually, formal authority, so formal power that you get from your position, your title, is actually uh, quite counterintuitive when it comes to politics. So I would say don't be too afraid because natively you have those informal sources of power that you should cultivate so that you can cultivate political competence, right? So I wouldn't worry too much. I would say capitalize on your strengths. That's also what, that's what I 
often say. So if, for instance, you know, your source of informal power is your expertise, you know, then you should really like uh, triple down on that and use your expertise to reach out different parts of the organization through professional networks, through your peers in the organization, so that you can influence certain outcome. Maybe as an expert, you can um, join some task forces, for instance, and there you're going to have a bit more visibility and you'll be able to sell better your ideas. So without knowing it, you're already exercising political competence. So my answer in short is, uh, if you feel that you're not comfortable with it, don't focus on political competence. Focus instead on your informal source of power. That's very important. You're listening to the Better Teams podcast. Thank you. We hope you enjoy it. Feel free to follow our Facebook page, Better Teams Podcast, to ask us questions and discuss these episodes or previous ones with fellow listeners. Now let's go back to our conversation. Is there a way around politics? Not really. I would say suffering is the way around it. No, to, to be serious, um, you need to exercise politics to a certain extent. You know, it's, it's very important because the risk that you're running is that um, there's no support for, for your ideas, right? Or the ideas of your team. So if you're an individual contributor within a team, it's going to be very difficult to, to get your ideas heard. Even if you're a very supportive manager, you need to give arguments uh, to this person to help sell your ideas. But it's even better if you can go together to the front, you know, with him or her. So it's very important that, um, that you understand the need for it. It's okay that you don't like it. You know, I personally, I also don't like that because I've seen, I've seen the very ugly side of it, you know, in, the, in my career, you know, in well, sometimes very large organizations. And I think the size of the organization, by the way, matters a lot because we say that politics starts when there is more than 15 people in the organization, something like that. Because before that, everybody is reachable, right? So you don't need to exercise any type of uh, a discussion with a certain person to reach a third person, for instance. You know? So we say that you know, when there is about 15 people, well, there's no politics. When you go beyond that, it starts to gain traction. And usually at first, it's the negative aspects of the politics. And then, of course, you have to build the right political competence to make it a positive thing. So, yeah, is there a way around it? Not really. Or at least, um, yeah, the best, of course, is to surround yourself with people who are maybe in that sense better operators in that field than you. But still, I think you should consider those people mentors rather than, you know, uh, asking them to sell your ideas all the time. I mean, you need to get out there. I think it's very important. And it doesn't mean being an extrovert, you know, it's, uh, you know, you can stay yourself. But understand that, um, yeah, it's simply, uh, it's simply a necessity to, to have a little bit of uh, political competence. And again, the positive side, you know, it's not about skimming. It's not about uh, stealing ideas and selling them as your own and things like that. It's like the, the really ugly thing that you can see sometimes in organizations. No, it's really about um, reaching out to the right people to, to present something, to, uh, to have a discussion with that person, because you know that that person might be able to influence a decision in the... I don't know, in the next board meeting or whatever. It doesn't mean selling something wrong. You are doing that in the interest of the company. You know, you're doing that in the interest of your project, in the interest of your team. So uh, I think it's very important to reconcile the idea of, um, okay, is this something I want to get into? I think it's very useful. It's, uh, it's a matter of influence and it's, uh, yeah, it's just, ne it's just a necessity in the large organizations. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, you have to accept the fact that your ideas might, might stall, huh? essentially, that they will not uh, gain traction and um, and that's okay i mean it's also okay for for a lot of people huh? i mean there's nothing wrong with that you know but if you feel or if you care very deeply for a topic that you would like to see being realized in the organization why well, you're gonna have to accept that this is uh, this is a reality 
This actually makes me think about something else. I mean, beyond positive and negative aspects of politics. And, and since you talked about the um, intention beyond politics earlier, I'd like to come back to that. I think when people say that they don't like politics, it's mainly because they don't believe that the system or the organization or, or using power will serve common interests, uh, will serve the good of the team. And I believe that's related to the nature of the political regime of your team or your company, so to speak. Uh, chances are it's not a democracy. I think very few organizations or teams have a truly democratic way of working. Democracy, which is also a Greek word, of course, uh, meaning power to the people, power from the people. Um, but ideally, I think any team or organization should be a republic. And this is a Latin word, res publica, which literally means the thing you have in common, or more precisely, using the power for the greater good. So to be clear, a team is not necessarily a democracy. You can have one leader leading, so to speak, but I do believe it should be a republic in the sense that everyone in the team should make sure that the power, the politique, as we said before, is used for the team, for the greater good of the team. And I think people start losing faith in politics when they have a feeling that it will not serve the common good, that there is no res publica, no, nothing in common, nothing motivating, uh, fueling, protecting the group in the political system in place, that the politeia constitution is not made for the people, that the politicos, the way of living together, doesn't lead to collective fulfillment, and that the politique, the way you practice power, doesn't serve um, the greater good. So to help people making a better use of politics and hopefully working for the greater good and building more of this res publica, what would be your advice for new people leaders? The first thing is um, just accept it. I mean, every first time leader will start by saying, I don't want to have anything to do with politics. I want to do my job. I want to enable my team to deliver. And uh, just because we deliver so well, we're going to get the right recognition. My team will get the right recognition and we're going to keep moving forward. I mean, as beautiful as it, as it sounds, uh, unfortunately, that's not the reality. And especially as a leader, as a team leader, you need to be able to sell the ideas of your team, to sell the accomplishments of your team, especially in putting your, your team member forward when there is a very good news to share. This is already some form of politics, right? To get the visibility for your team, but for your team members as well, you know? So really not, it's not for yourself. So I would say you owe to your team to have uh, a decent political competence. And this takes time, but really the right political competence to, you know, to, to, sell, to sell what they, what they deliver, you know? To sell what they, what they create, to sell what they believe in, to sell the change they would like to see in the organization. There's nothing worse for a team than a powerless manager. And when I say powerless, I don't mean... Uh, someone with formal authority based on titles and stuff like that. I mean someone who's being listened to, someone who has weight in the organization, someone that um, management has faith in, because this would be a perfect ambassador for the team. And this is the kind of skills you need to grow as a first-time leader. So from the very beginning, please accept it. Accept the fact that you need to develop this competence. Please reject the negative side of it, using it as a, as a scheming mechanism, you know, to push only your individual interest. Don't go there, you know, don't go there. But um, don't put it all in the same box saying, okay, I don't want to get involved in politics because your, t your team will suffer. It's not just you, you know, it's actually mostly your team who's going to suffer from, from you n refusing to engage in that. So make a big distinction between what is negative politics and what is constructive political competence. 
So if you don't feel good with it, but okay, you accept it, okay, that's the first step. You need to accept the fact that this is a, an essential part of your new job. What you need to do is find a mentor. So I'm not talking about a coach, you know, I'm not talking about someone who's going to help you find the answer by yourself, but really a mentor. So someone who's been in your shoes, you know, someone who's probably now in the organization, either um, an N plus two or diagonally in the organization. So someone in a higher level, someone who's done it. It can also be a peer, you know, who've been in, in your role for longer than you. Someone who's going to help you, you know, um, gain visibility, but also someone who's going to show you how to gain visibility. Someone who's going to show you who you should talk to, maybe for this or that kind of ideas that you're trying to sell to the organization. So you need this kind of uh, mentorship. I think it's very, very important because um, politics in the workplace, it's just really driven by the type of networks in place. So it depends on the culture of the company, also the, the, um, the culture as in the country's culture, you know what I mean? Like uh, which part of the world you are, because this also works differently depending on the country. So it's very specific. So that's why uh, right away I said, okay, find a mentor. And there's plenty of people in an organization willing to be a mentor. You know, it's just that no one ever asked them or they just gave kind of what we call corridor coaching, which is like, you know, kind of on the spot things, you know, to their subordinates. But if you find someone in the organization willing to work with you on that, this is the best. This is really the best. And otherwise, if you can't find a mentor and you have to learn, I would say, a little bit by yourself. I do it step by step, you know, start to get to know not only your uh, your N plus one and your peers and your subordinates, but look at your look at your expertise, look at your skills, look at your networks, you know, existing networks and new networks in the organization and try to meet new people it can be through training you know typically you know in organization there is internal training about i don't know communication about you know soft skills whatever and often you meet people from other business units but there get to know how they work you know how they influence things in their business unit in their division if it's a huge company and explain what you do you know agree to go and and have lunch together and or agree to that you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna come with someone from my team and we're gonna present you guys what we're doing for instance oh that way you give some visibility and someone might say hey you should talk to this person they're the vp of xyz and uh, i think he would be really happy to hear about that because two years ago they started an initiative which was related to that so you don't know that you know you you know, that's why you need to reach out to people and step by step, you know, you're going to increase your influence. So these will be my tips. But if you can find a mentor in your organization, really go for it. I think it's very, very important. I haven't asked you about your view on politics, by the way, from when you were managing teams. What was your view on politics? I was the first one to say, well, I never want to get involved in any kind of politics, you know, because I only understood the negative side of it. But once you understand that political competence is a, is a gift you're making to your team, you know, that's uh, that kind of changed the um, the logic in it, right? That, that changed the the approach to it. Now the thing is, uh, as a manager, although like I said, having a powerless manager is actually uh, quite a terrible thing for a team. Having a manager who spends ninety percent of her or his time on politics outside of the team, so managing up and diagonal, but never with the team, that's also a bad thing. So you need to find the right balance between the time you invest in that and the time you invest with your team. And it's not 50-50. I mean, uh, for sure, the majority should be with your team. It shouldn't be going around and trying to sell everything. Yeah? But it's you have to find the right balance. So it really depends on the kind of job. It depends on the kind of industry. It depends on the kind of uh, part of the organization. It's hard to say uh, what should be the percentage, but you have to find the right balance. So yeah, good luck with that because it's a fantastic topic. I would love to have some news from listeners about that because uh, I love to discuss that topic. So please reach out uh, on LinkedIn directly to both of us, to Vince and I, or directly to me on LinkedIn, on direct message, by email, whatever. I'd love to talk about that with you. So yeah, uh, from now on, uh, take care and see you next time. Thanks, Max. 
Thank you for listening to this Team Time episode of the Better Teams podcast. One last word from me to invite you to go to the YouTube channel simply called Better Teams with Max and Vince. Go check out our videos. There is additional original content there. And remember to subscribe. It's very important. That way you can help our content to reach and help more people. Thanks a lot. I'll be seeing you on YouTube then and in the next episode. 